for those of you that are joining us on Facebook, this is the normal setting for our podcast. The only person that's missing who would normally be sitting over here, of course, is Pastor Jeff Sinkamani, who is in Jacksonville, I think. For class, yep. Oh, for class. Yeah, so he's doing something like kind of important. So, you know, we'll have to catch him, uh, have him <laughs> give him a break for not being here. But as normal, as soon as we get started on the podcast, we always just quickly review the episode previous, which last week was the Promise Fulfilled series, mm-hmm. but it was God Grows His Church. Right. In that episode, we decided that the prescription is to engage however and whatever that looks like as it pairs with your gifts and talents. People respond to sincerity and to love, and as Christians, we should be equipped like none other with the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us and for the treasure of eternity to come. And really, when you think about that, it really should kind of get you going, right? You would think. You would think, and we're (laughs) hoping that that's what it's doing. If you haven't listened to uh, that episode or watched the message that corresponds to it, you can do both in the aforementioned Hospital Church mobile app or at our website, hospitalchurch.org, and just click on uh, archives for the sermons, and you'll find any of the messages that you can go back to and peruse at your convenience. So the most recent message, which was part two of The Promise Fulfilled, was Room at the Table. And this week, what I wanted to do was a little bit different. Normally, we're having – we kind of just kind of review a little bit. We try to pick up topics or things that maybe didn't didn't get included in the sermon or the first draft, if you will (laughs) – this week, I was telling Andy as he came in that this was actually uh, every week he does FHC takeaways, right. and these and they're, are they're actually on the website as well, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are on the website. Mm-hmm. If you're in person, you can take them home on paper, right. and if you're on Twitter, you can follow us at uh, oh, Florida FHC. That's right. I forgot. Tony puts them on Twitter, and Tony puts them on Twitter throughout the week. So right. it's not like it's just like whoa Saturday and then it's over. <laughs> but they go out each week, and. They're just really good conversation starters, which for someone uh, just to kind of bring the conversation around to something that's meaningful, maybe maybe there's that person who's always like, oh, if I have to listen to one more joke or whatever, <laughs> yeah. it's like, hey, maybe I'll start a conversation with something that maybe could come out good for both of us. And this week, there were well, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There was 10 of them this wow. week. So usually there's eh, maybe not yeah, quite not that quite many. many yeah. Uh, and usually at the end of each of our podcast episodes, we will actually go through one or sometimes two of them and just ask the question, what do you think about this? And just bring that out and um, maybe give our opinions on it. And this week I thought, well, how better or how much better that we would actually have someone watching that we would be able to uh, hopefully get a little communication and feedback. So what I really wanted to do this week was just go through these because every single one of them was just like – Wow. Good questions. Huh? They're, they're, well, they're good questions. And, you know, hopefully uh, every good question deserves a good answer, yeah. doesn't it? Yes, but from somebody. <laughs> Where's Jeff? We should have, you know, we should have Skyped him in. That would have really pulled the whole thing together. We yeah, no. <laughs> we we're, we're, we're here. We could have been live and we could have Skyped him in. That would have been great. Uh, when there is conflict or disagreement, do you prefer to come to the table or to run or avoid? Hmm. And I, when I when I read that, the first thing that came to my mind was, well, I know what I would prefer, but what do I do? Right? Is that a oh, interesting? Because I would actually, I would prefer to, I would prefer to come to the table. Mm-hmm. But my problem is, I'm probably too confrontational. Oh, because I would just say, to me, it's easier to just let's just spit it out. Say what we got to say, and don't take it. Don't take like don't take offense. Yes. We're just, we're just talking. Right, we're just talking, but. Um, 
I've been accused in the past of maybe being uh, that maybe the uh, a little bit more velvet on the hammer. So you're so you're okay with the confrontation, whereas a lot, yeah. of, people, a lot of people want to escape any kind of conflict, and so they giving their opinion even might feel like conflict, uh, and so they'll want to run. So, <laughs> you know, so the, you have, I mean, but there's not a, necessarily right or wrong. I, I think there's a, a richness in coming to the table that you don't get from running. I mean, you, you got to eventually come to the table. Eventually, um, it has to yeah, end yeah, up yeah, there. That's, that's right. So, Unless you're going to be a hermit right? and so, not have... So just go there first. Let's come to the table and start talking <laughs> this thing through. Okay. And I just thought that that was interesting because, like in my house, my wife is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Not that we can't have a conversation or that we don't often come to the table, but if we're talking about true confrontation, and that doesn't mean that it always has to be a confrontation yeah. that brings you to right. the table, but um, she'll tend to avoid confrontation where a lot of times I'll just go – not even thinking. I don't even sometimes right. see it as confrontation. I'm just like, hey, we're well. It's actually in my in marital counseling, I call it immediacy and um, and delay. And one person almost always wants to deal with a problem immediately, <laughs> and almost always one the other party in a, in a marriage seems like <laughs> two opposites. The other wants to to delay it and simmer. I call them simmerers. Ooh. Um, does that get better with age? And, and, uh, not necessarily. <laughs> Usually, just waits for the volcano to erupt at some point later. <laughs> And so, so the simmer, the simmer has a fear. I mean, uh, the simmer who wants to simmer it is afraid they'll say something bad and the, they come to the table too quickly, and they want to just wait and get their thoughts together more and want to sort of mull over. You know, no, no good wine should be served before, before it's time. time. Yeah, they they want to think about it a little bit. Whereas the immediacy person is a f- fearful that if we don't deal with it right now, it's going to get swept under the carpet. It's gonna, it's gonna get worse over time and finally just blow up. It's going to simmer and, and fester, right? And, and so there's that. That's a, those are pretty big different places to come from. And so I tell the I tell the simmerers that when they feel pushed, just to give their partner a timeout signal and say, <laughs> "Okay, if not now, when?" is all you're supposed to answer. Okay, uh, if you get the timeout signal, and so that will give. Let me, let me go walk around the block. Let me think about this for a few minutes, then we'll come back to the table and talk about it. That's not bad. Sometimes you need relief from the pressure of the, of the table, and it's okay to take that break. And so having a little language to be able to do that can help help stay at the table for a longer longer discussion in the, in the, in the end. And that lets the other person know that you're not trying to get away from it. You're just right. like, I, I'm, I'm coming. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not I'll, escaping. I'll I, just, I just can't go as fast as you. I need some mental time <laughs> to process and let it, I need it to simmer a little bit. It's, it's, it's too raw in my head to be able to talk about it yet. Yeah, for sure. And people – with couples, oftentimes there's a fear of saying something you'll regret. The simmerer, you know, if I stay here, if, I, if, I, if I'm forced to the table, I might say things that would be painful later. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. That's I, well, and I think that's the other part too is if you can get this, uh, if you can get the process started without the hurt to start with, or the like. Oh, I know what's coming. Mm-hmm. They're going to rush into this, and it's just going to be you know pull back the water hose and just get drenched. And then I'm going to be feeling like, you know, I'm not ready. And then it's going to all end the same place. If you can have a little bit of a a buffer or an understanding beforehand, that's probably super smart. Well, it's not probably. It's some, some kind of game plan. Yeah, it's probably not super smart. It, it is super smart. So why do you think we avoid open, sane conversation on important topics where we disagree? Oh, my. And, that, and, and I, all I was waiting for <laughs> – and you have to laugh because the first – I mean, maybe no one else did. But the, when I when I read that, I was just like, I'm pretty sure I saw in my head hashtag politics. Yeah, well, sure. Right? That that was the one where there's things are so deeply entrenched. Or maybe even some church theology sure. or 
Theology, I mean, politics are two areas we, we we have problems with this. And 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 the real the realization is is that we all are so right. We're we're so sure that we're right that we avoid we don't coming to the table makes us feel vulnerable that our position might get challenged and we might have to shift and nobody likes to change. And so oh. and so but wait a minute. A couple of weeks ago, we said we had to embrace the change. We have to buttercup. embrace the change because there's, there's no way to get around it. So but eventually, we're going to get there. You're going to get there. Things will. Th- everything is going to change. But this doesn't typically get better with age. Like if you don't, if you don't come to some kind of an agreement that you know this is something that we can't get around, no matter how hard we try. Right, and and it really to to be able to come to the table with people and be able to discuss a topic that we feel at very polar opposites. Even if the discussion, if nobody changes their position, we can come to a, an agreement at the end of our conversation that we agree we disagree about this. What does that look like? So, well, I mean, well, <laughs> well, I think when Tony Campolo and, and Steve Brown were here, they helped model the fact that that's true. You can both say we really think this is a problem in our society. We both agree on the problem. We have very different ways of coming to solutions to that problem. Yeah, how would we would go and about so, it? We can we we and we're probably not going to change a lot of a lot of those things will never change. We're, they're ingrained in us, but we need to have the the um, the comfort and the courtesiness. Is that, is that a word? Courtesiness? Well, maybe. <laughs> Hold on, I'm online here. Hold on. Graciousness to to be able to say, you know what? I just I'm never going to see that the same as you. We agree, we disagree, but we can but we can still have conversations about ninety nine. Billion other things, and and this piece we know if if it comes up in conversation, you know with your wife right now, if you want to go home and get into an argument, you know exactly what to say to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, you do, and because you know what you agree to disagree on. Yeah, or maybe you haven't even agreed to agree, but you just know what you disagree on. So to have those conversations that, that you keep mining it until you really understand each other and agree. Oh, you know what? We just see this very differently. Now a couple is not going to have a thousand of those. They probably won't be a couple. Yeah, right. But everybody has a few of those, even with the people you're very closest to. It's something you don't quite see the same, and it's okay to agree to disagree. And those kind of conversations also seem to work a lot better in person. Oh, I yes. mean, you know, those are not the – Get I off mean, the emails. Get, yeah, email chains, text messages where there's no emotion attached to it. I mean, I don't – you know, emojis just don't do it. Right. And then, you know, a lot of times those spill back into the conversations. Now you have the vitriol on the other side. Well, that's not what I'm, I didn't say that. Yeah, that's right. not what I meant. It's like, well, how did you read that? Well, you know? be- well because part of the, of sane people coming to the table and having a sane conversation. Oh, wait a minute. Sane people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Coming to the conversation at the table is, is to, the whole, the whole idea of conversation is to move to shared meaning. So, so I, I use a dumb illustration. If, if I say to you, I saw a pink elephant today. What did I see? Top pink elephant. Yeah, but describe the pink elephant I saw. Well, I don't know. You didn't describe it. I didn't. But, in your, but, you, but you get a mental image of a pink elephant. That's true. You see a big real elephant painted pink. You see a, a big stuffed animal coming out of the fair that was just won by throwing the you know things in the balls through the hoops or whatever. Yeah. You see a little charm on a bracelet for a kid that's pink elephant. I mean, it, it, it can be any of those things. And we haven't really got shared meaning until we mine the conversation to what I mean is understood by you, and what you understand is I, what you mean is understood by me. Shared meaning is the goal, and we we rarely are willing to stay at the table and mind the conversation to get to shared meaning instead of just trying to come up with a good response. Instead of having retorts, <laughs> retorts, retorts to try to win our side, to win a side, or yeah. to win an argument. Yeah, yeah. that's I hadn't thought about that, but that's uh, you're right. Without an actual. <laughs> 
there's got to be context. Nothing right. means anything without context. So what do you think about the solving circle where staying in is about us and stepping out is a return to <laughs> me first thinking? Oh, man. Yeah, that's painful, isn't it? <laughs> and that's not even the worst of them. I mean, I'll just be honest. That's not even the worst of them. I mean, at the end, I'm just like, wow. But Well, solving circle is a really important thing. I mean – I've actually had couples literally draw a chalk circle on a driveway, and so they can't get away from each other. It's got to stay inside the circle. When I la- uh, when you said that this week, I'm like, <laughs> that has to be true. Someone has yeah. actually had to have done this for Andy to yeah. bring it well, up. And, well, and the thing is, is it's just a physical representation of where I want to be. If if I've committed my life to a person in marriage, uh, wouldn't I want to stay in the circle and work things out? Yeah, and. But, but we all jump out of the circle. Everybody does it. We all oh, jump yeah. out of the circle because I want my way. And then we sort of humbly come back in and get in the circle and say, no, we are more important than me. Uh, I, I want us to be healthy. And and that us can be a couple. That us can be a church, a denomination, a political party, uh, a city. It, I mean, it can be anything. Yeah. But to be able to to, to say, I'm willing to, I'm willing to sacrifice some of my agenda so that your agenda can be achieved. Is is um, a very you know sermon on the mount kind of life. Well, and when you read that and started talking about that this week, it was like, okay, where's he going with the solving circle? We're talking kind of talking about counseling and we're talking about couples, and I'm like, but when you expanded it, it made perfect sense when you think about it from the from that context where it's not just about the interpersonal relationships, but on a broad scale, I mean, how does government work? How sure. does well or not work well, <laughs> as it goes? But, well, but government's everyone, a great illustration today. I mean, why, why in the world can't bipartisan interests? And here I go, politicists, I'll be in trouble Ooh. for this. Sit yeah. down at a table and have a sane conversation and at least agree on the problem and then look at some solutions and say, well, we don't agree on these solutions. Well, what are there pieces we might agree on? To be interested in not getting my own way and not getting uh, brownie points or, or PR advertising by getting a news story because I said this little quip, but they got picked up by the news media – that that needs to just end. We need to care about the country when we care about our own careers and be able to sit at the table and make come to sane decisions, uh, same sane thinking. Yeah, I saw. I think it was yesterday on Twitter. There was um, in a news feed about how the congressional basketball game uh, oh, was <laughs> was probably the only bipartisan support that you'll see for the rest of the year. So enjoy this story while it lasts for its you know fifteen seconds in the news cycle because that's all you get. I thought it was baseball. Was it baseball? Yeah, baseball? There was a baseball. Well, they, they had basketball too. I think well, that, well, may, they may have. You check it out and then yeah. uh, get back to us and let us know. <laughs> if anyone's out there, the um, just go ahead and go. Oh, hi Heather! Look at that. My wife is on with well, us. Well, that's so nice. She said, "Well said, Andy. Look oh, at that. How about that? Go. She knows who's. She knows. <laughs> she knows." Okay, how do you think the disciples could have missed Jesus' teaching enough to be covetous of the best seats in His kingdom? Yeah, I don't know. You're just <laughs> blind, deaf, and dumb. <laughs> we kind of talked about that. Go back about four episodes, mm-hmm. and we kind of talked about when uh, Pentecost. No, it was one before Pentecost. Okay, and we kind of talked about we in fair amount of detail about how. The disciples saw all of this. They saw the crucifixion. They saw right. the leading up to it. The ra- you know after Jesus was raised, mm-hmm. and they still just didn't have a clue. Well, even after they're with Jesus resurrected, it says, and some of them doubted. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he or he is right there in front of you, and some still doubt it. Well, it's, it's how did they miss that? How did how did they not watch Jesus 
for those three years and not realize that it's not about us. Yeah. You know, it, 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 that it's about others. It's about, it's about giving. It's about serving. I'm reading a great book by Humphrey Fishers right now. Um, I forget the name. But I forget the title of the book. It's about following Jesus and the You referenced it this week, didn't you? I may have. I think you did. Because in that, in that same book, he talks about how um, God doesn't need our service. We talk, about right. ser- we talk about serving God, and really, he, he makes a strong point that the way we serve God is in serving others. Oh. The whole least of these from Matthew 25 um, is, a, is a recognition that the way we serve God is by serving our fellow humans. Just- <laughs> the part that I thought, too, what, that you brought up this week, and I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but you brought up the, the foot washing, and you kind of described Jesus you know, and mm-hmm. how you pictured that that might have played out in your mind. And you think about that, even what we in what we just asked, you know, how come they didn't see it? And if they really thought that he was this person that was going to come and just, you know, put his right. thumb on the Romans right. and then, you know, <laughs> flick him on the floor and then stomp on him and squish him, who in that position would have done what he did and right. and get down and wash the feet and and in especially in that culture and, and the mm-hmm. time that we're talking about, that just seems to be like, wow, how did I mean we. Was it just that there was so much pride that well, man, these are that we're going to be in power that right. we just can't see anything? Well, and I think it was in response to that their their bent for power that he did that act and to try to bring them back to a centrist position, <laughs> help them understand that if the, if the God of the universe incarnate can stoop down and wash your feet, hey guys, this is something you can do. And and he, and he clearly says in John thirteen, just play. You see me, what I've done to you, do to each other. And and yeah. he's talking about within the circle of disciples and fellowship, but he's also talking about just a life of in service. General. Live live as a servant for humanity. Well, and in the next one it said, in, in your opinion, how effective was Jesus washing their feet? And so maybe it wasn't as if I, – I, I, when, I, when I was thinking about that, I thought maybe, well, maybe it wasn't so effective while he was washing their feet. But I would have to imagine that after Pentecost and after they started going through mm-hmm. you know, the early church and all the growth and all the – I mean after they had seen what happened at Pentecost – I kind of thought like maybe that would have been something to go back to that they would have said, wow, yeah. now what we've seen, what he promised came true. You see, I mean, the fireballs and, <laughs> and Pentecost, all this stuff and go, wow, at some point the God of the universe was here and he washed my feet. This, mm-hmm. ah, crazy. Well, it's interesting, you know, Peter, he certainly resisted it that night. Yeah. Uh, you know, he didn't want, oh no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. Well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Okay, wash my whole body, <laughs> yeah, uh, one stream to the other. But Jesus, Jesus said, "No, if a person who's clean only needs to have his feet washed." It's an interesting comment there, that, and the fact that here's Peter who's going to deny Jesus that night, and Jesus is saying to Peter, "Hey, you're you're clean. All you need to have is your feet washed." Uh, and so it's really a it should be a mm. really encouraging thing to us that uh, the the whole. The whole concept of cleanness, the whole concept of okayness, is in Christ. It's not in our behavior. Uh, it's just be, it should be a freeing thing for us. Anyway, that's a little aside. Well, it, it, go, it, it actually goes right into the next one, which was how open are you to living a feet washing kind of life? And that really should free us up completely. Yeah, if you look at what, like you said, what he what he should have realized <laughs> in that moment was that hey, this is you, that's all you yeah. need is me. Maybe if we can sh- make a mental shift. That when we serve other people, that is the way in which we are serving God himself. Mm. Maybe that will help us make that shift and live a, a, a feet-washing life. Because uh, sometimes we think about, I'm, 
you know, I've got to go help so-and-so, and I'm going to help them do this or that. And we, we see that as sort of a burden because I'm doing it for that person, and they're not that grateful, and you know, all this kind of thing comes yeah. into play. Hmm. But if we can switch it to saying the person we're doing it for is really God, and so you know, whether they complain about it or whether they're happy about it or whether, whether they're easy to help or hard to help, it's, it's, we're not helping them only. It's a, it's a way of serving God. In a way, that might even be a way to look at it prior to, to go into with a better attitude. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know if I'm going to help Andy, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> that guy. But if I'm, going to, if I'm going to help God, and you know what? God love. I mean, I think a lot of yeah. us know God loves Andy. God loves whoever we don't, sure. we don't maybe necessarily care for. But if I'm doing it for God, and okay, well, they get, they're going to benefit from it because God yeah. loves them too. Maybe that helps us go in with a better attitude. And who knows? Maybe we get, maybe we, we, we build a bridge. Right. Maybe we make a connection that otherwise it's like, yeah, well, went and did the deed. Yeah. And now well, I'm done. And, and it also can avoid spiritual pride from having served. Oh, there you go. Because, you know, man, the benefits just keep going. It's like AARP. Serve, serve, serve and serve some more. Keep digging and you'll find more and more benefits. Um, Okay, we're almost getting to the end. Who is it easiest for you? Oh, this one. Come on. This is come on now, Andy. <laughs> this is the one. Who is it easiest for you to imagine excluding from the Lord's table? Ouch. Because <laughs> as soon as I read that, I mean, I Who do you not want to sit by? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh Jeff, but he's not no, it's only cuz he's not here. No. Um and unfortunately, I think, and I'm sure way too often, we can each resonate with that statement because for me, as soon as I read that, bing, right. a picture comes into my head sure. and it's like, oh yeah, that person. Or you know, whether that's a fr- an old friend, a neighbor, someone current that you have to deal with, and it's like, ugh. Well, in our culture today, um, in a more and more divided country in yeah. which we live, it seems like... That really, the answer that is easiest is those people I'm divided from. So the people that don't look like me, act like me, yeah. worship like me, pray like me, smell like me. Gosh, that's a lot of people, like Andy. Me. It is. <sighs> and so, and so, if we're going to exclude, if we're going to have an exclusivistic mindset about the Lord's table, that people that aren't like us aren't welcome, uh, that's not going to work. The, the table is for the world. I think that's coming. And there's a, <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing. And there's, and the 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 thing about that is that's been one of the largest blocks mm-hmm. I think to Christians. You know, we talk about being disciples. We talk about being a light to the world, and you know they will know us by our love, and, and you know they'll know that you're right. And all of that, if you can't get past that one piece. If you still look at other people and go, yeah, I don't know, I could totally not see them there because that would make me happier, then we don't really have – I mean we're not really engaging in – we're not really engaging if we can't love them like ourselves. Right. We're not really engaging them, and we're not really going after what God's looking for from us. Well, it's really interesting. We, as you are very well aware, and probably many of our listeners are well aware, that our church is a very multi-ethnic, multicultural, multiracial, multi – International. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a very mixed church of all kinds from uh, of international groups, and yet it's really interesting to watch people on uh, the Saturday morning and services in the hallways. They will still tend to cluster with those from their area. So, yeah. like the, I noticed the people from Brazil. I saw three of them standing in the holiday, and they were, they were all talking Portuguese. And I walked up and said, English only. <laughs> they laughed. I said, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But 
you, you know, you just you see us. We tend we tend to most easily cluster with people most like us. And, and that makes sense. There's does a comfort make, to that. It does make sense. But we have we have to be thinking intentionally as yeah. part of the body of Christ to say, wait a second, in Christ we are one body. Right. And so there's not there's we can't we cannot allow ourselves the luxury um of being lazy right. when it comes to inclusion. Because in a way, just that I mean and that certainly not throwing any kind of rocks at you know anyone that no. you know, speaking Portuguese, but no, in, no, in a no, way, no. and we all do it. Just to be clear, I mean, whether it's you know different nationalities, sure. different age, even age groups or sexes. I mean, but, sometimes this. But you if know. you have a if you have a big big meal with round tables at the church, the tables will be occupied by groups, right? And they will be groups that are similar, right? Whether, maybe by age, maybe by ethnicity, maybe by language, <laughs> you know, heritage, who knows? I mean, but to a certain degree, that's exclusionary behavior to, to some right. degree. And, and not, again, not that that they're not, no one's sitting down going, well, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not an evil thing right. to, to, to want to be people, be around people like yourself. I mean, if, if you're, if you're in Europe and you hear English spo- being spoken and you're in a country where there's very little English, you'll <laughs> gravitate, you become good friends with that person yeah. kind of thing, automatically. So it makes sense that there is that gravitational pull we just can't allow ourselves to be exclusionary in it. It's right. okay for me to be with people that are similar to me unless I'm saying, and no one else is welcomed. Right. Or I'm not going to reach out and try to draw others into that circle. Ah, that's problematic. That gets to be problematic. So, man, that one just, uh, I was like, all right, we got to be done. No. How, <laughs> how radical would it be to think about what's best for others? And I think just piggybacking on what we just said, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can I can be by people that are like me. Right. I can I can walk in and see, oh, hey, it's Andy. Yeah. I'm gonna go shake his hand, and you know we have something in common, and you know whatever. But then I can also make it a point to say, you know what, I'm gonna try to find someone this week that I don't know, and that's not you know comfort level for everybody. Mm-hmm. I get that, but just to even go up and say hello, introduce yourself, start with baby steps, and just try to be, you know, with the with the mindset of just yeah. a little bit more inclusionary. It it, it 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 makes us back off from church for me versus church for others. Yeah, and that's a different mindset to be able to think about doing to others as I would have them doing to me. So if I'm if I'm somewhere I, that I don't know anybody, it's nice to have somebody want to include me. Yeah. Whereas if I know everybody and I'm talking to people I know and I don't inc- try to reach out to anybody who doesn't know someone. It can be really tough. Well, and I think that's really, in a lot of ways, that's the heart of the problem when we talk about consumerism mm-hmm. in our church and worship services. Right. Because if you feel excluded, and again, maybe not even in a bad way, but you know, nobody came up and talked to me this week, or nobody even said hello, or I just don't feel like I have a, a place to really fit in. I mean, I love coming to church. Everyone's friendly, mm-hmm. but I just didn't make a connection. Then in some ways, you're almost forcing someone's hand to just come in. Sit down. We're gonna, you know, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll be good. We'll stand yeah. when you tell us yeah. to stand. We'll yeah. do, yeah. and we'll leave, and we'll go home. But we really didn't engage in any way. Mm-hmm. We were just really there to consume because we didn't really have an opportunity to do anything. Yeah, else. as opposed to come to worship and connect with other worshipers to be, give God glory. That's all right. Two more to go. How differently do you think we should live, knowing that in Christ we are one hundred percent okay with God forever? Boy, there's a can of worms. All right. We Isn't... ought to live with great abandoned freedom. <laughs> All right, all right, on to the, <laughs> on to the well, next one. Well, we should, we should. I mean, it is it, that easy. Though. It, it should it's be. It really should be. If you think about your children, Ellie and Sparkle, mm-hmm. okay, they should not have any worries about their dad's love. That, that should ne- they should have that should never even flicker across their mind that dad would in any way ever reject them. 
Okay, that they're he he they are home free. Yeah, and, that, and that's not going to make them be stupid. No, <laughs> or do dumb things, or yeah. go or, or rebel, knowing that they and and we sometimes think that if if we get too comfortable that God has done it all and we are in His kingdom forever by His grace, that we're going to somehow get lazy and be mean spirited and and get wicked over that. It's like no, wait, 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 wait. God has saved us. Why would we? Why would we back up and want to want to do that again? So that's, yeah. we we we, tr- we put this crazy risk on it. It's almost like the gift is so good that in one way. We don't internalize well, it. We don't really, but we don't grasp enough of it to say, wow. We were talking in the office this week how evangelism changes if you think about it from this light as well. That as we go out to share the gospel with the world, all we're doing is saying, how different will your life be if you know you're a child of the king versus not knowing you're a child of the king? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, Christ has died for the sins of the whole world. All have opportunity for redemption. I mean, he's done it all. Yeah. And so... But but to not know that and to live like a pauper when you're have when you're a child of the king is not a really fun life. So when what we're really doing is telling people, wake up, open your eyes, you're you're adopted into the family of God, you're a child of the king. This is a pretty cool thing. But then James happened. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cover that. Another. We'll cover that on another podcast. Yeah. No, no, but James is good. James is good. I, and I, you know, it's funny. Um, Stanley and I had this conver- have been having this conversation. We've been having a, doing a Bible study in James and. Really, the more, at least for me, the more I read James, the more times I read James, because Romans is one of my favorites, yeah. and probably is a lot of people's, because who can't get on board with yeah. Paul? He's yeah. got he's full of good good wisdom and, and just good things, common sense things to me to say. But really, when you start breaking it down, James isn't saying anything different than Paul no. is. He's still saying that, yeah, your faith isn't going to save you he's, if you don't have the works. He's, he's, saying, he's saying that God saves you, completely yeah. God saves you. I think James believed that. Yeah. We can't be good followers of Jesus without working hard. It, but it's never meritorious. Right. God's not against God's not against effort. He's against merit. All of our merit is in Jesus Christ. Yeah. We still can put a lot of effort in to, to organize our lives better, to live more healthy, to, you know, be more honest, to live more joyfully. I mean, all those can take effort and hard work. Loving more. God's not against effort. But yeah, you're, but you're not getting brownie points for it. You don't get no. any, you don't get a better place in heaven because you were more patient. <laughs> <laughs> There's no salvation enhancement. No. no. It's already been paid. No for. add-ons. <laughs> no add-ons. This isn't an app, people. Um all right. Finally. And I thought this one was good because this is something that I guess, I don't know, I never really thought about it specifically, even though I've been a part of a lot of these services. At your next communion service, how will you make it real again? Mm. So are, you know, are we counting on an atmosphere? Are we counting on, well, it's just the, the, you know, the same Bible texts are used because those are the ones that reference it. And I, maybe it gets to be old hat for someone? It does. And I think probably it's a little bit like birthdays. Okay. <laughs> here I go, crazy McDonald here. But I mean, birthdays the same every year. You yeah, know, you, you celebrate your birthday. It can be birthday cake, and you blow out the candles, and woo. Um, they sing happy birthday. What makes the birthday more significant is when you have spent some time the day before your birthday thinking about your past X number of years, whatever those are. <laughs> you fill them in. A lot of them for me. Um, and, and maybe even anticipating the year coming and maybe thinking about your mother actually giving you birth and thinking about what it must have been like to bring you home from the hospital. Or, I mean, whatever. To prepare yourself for the celebration of your birthday changes your birthday. Yeah. And I think the same thing is true for, for the celebrating the Lord's table. Knowing that it's coming, 
you know, and here comes the in our denomination the quarterly communion services. We do it once a quarter, and to be able to maybe spend the week or at least the Friday night thinking about tomorrow and what's this going to mean and how's what what's the significance and maybe going back and reading all the different biblical passages about it. The more personal preparation we do with God, thinking about the significance of it, then we come to the actual service. Whether it's done just like we think it should be or shouldn't be, or you know, some yeah. kind of new way, there'll be a freshness because we've given intentionality to it. What we give our attention to is what's most critical. It's what's most yeah. critical. Yeah. And then if you happen to go to a really awesome church like the Florida Hospital <laughs> Church, you'll find that there's someone cool like my wife Heather, who also makes an amazing looking display so great that job. it actually brings you into a worshipful mindset before that. And so great job, Heather. Just had to throw that out there. Shameless, yeah. shameless plug. I'm sorry. Well, she, it was, the table looked beautiful. The table did yeah. look beautiful. She always, she came through big on that one. So, um, well, that's all of them, and I just thought that this week every single one of those had some serious merit to discuss because – especially f- for the what we're talking about, that it's really so important. If we miss this part of being at the table, mm-hmm. being present, and including others in sane, con- sane conversation, then maybe that should have been the title, <laughs> Sane Conversation, because I think that's the part we miss right. a lot is that we just don't have sane conversations. Well, and being in communion is, is being um, – Having that conversation, it's being together, and it's, it's uh, inviting others into the into the, the story with us, and bringing them on yeah. that journey. Well, that is excellent. Well, that is going to wrap us up for this week and upcoming. What are we doing? Oh, exciting! This is going to be a great week. Oh, this is the new series. The, the new series. We're actually doing a four parter. Well, it gets interrupted on July first from graduation for Vacation Bible School. Oh, right, right. But there's four there's four speakers from our congregation this week. This Molly Duper. Who's Molly? Molly works with our high school students. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. And um, and she'll be speaking this week. All four sermons will be about faith in the workplace from these different perspectives. Oh, cool. So Molly Duper will be doing it. Cheryl Dodds will be doing Jeff Steinke and Denny Howell. Ooh. Um, so it's going to be a really great uh, variety of how does my faith impact my workplace and how does my workplace impact my faith and, and that journey together. And this is part of our, our um, From the Heart series, but we're having our members talk about these four Versus the pastors, uh, so faith in the workplace. Perfect. This was like last summer. We did right. uh, we did six, six of them last six summer. Of them last mm-hmm. summer. So, yeah. if you were a listener, then you know you'll be in for a treat because we're going to try our hardest to get each one of those guest speakers in the room with us. And uh, well, we might give Andy a week or two off too. I, I want to help grill them. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, then you might want to stay tuned because apparently we're going to turn up the heat a little bit. Um, but those are some of the funnest episodes we've done, yeah. where we have uh, someone that has come in and been gracious enough to come in and speak and prepare. And it's always interesting to catch their perspective because I know the few sure. times I've had a chance to to actually speak, the prep that you do for the message mm. gives you a completely different view, even with, I don't know yeah. why it's different, but it seems even when you try to do a Bible study, if you've prepped for a message that you know you're giving to people, yeah. it somehow makes it, it makes a difference it does. on how you do that. So the perspectives we've gotten through those, and you can go back into our archives and check those out. Those started with episode eight last year, mm. and we did with, we did VBS and a couple others. And so I'm sure we'll do a VBS with right. uh, with that team again this week. So uh, thanks again, Facebook, and for the normal listeners for joining us this week. And so until next Wednesday in episode 56, this is Randy for Andy and Tom saying thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you then.